You know, one of the things that you make a connection with, I don't know, maybe it's as you get older, is the connection between mindset and the physical parts of what you do. And when I say physical parts, in the act of cold calling, (laughs) the moving of your mouth right, to say certain words and how much of that is connected to your mindset and how much of it ultimately is connected to things in your personal life too. And you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about today, one of my favorite quotes is a quote by Michael Port from Book Yourself Solid. It's business problems are really personal problems in disguise. Before we get into that, thanks for checking out Outbound Squad. My name is Jay Bay. Sales reps and sales leaders turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're an account executive doing full cycle sales and you're prospecting and selling, or you're a BDR who's doing appointment setting and you want to become an account executive, you're definitely in the right place. Today's episode is a guest appearance that I did with Harry on the Sales Made Easy podcast. So he invited me on. Harry's a great guy. You'll hear in the episode. Super fun to talk with. We talked a lot about mindset. I also dig into not only how that pertains to cold calling, but just a bunch of really practical cold calling tips with, you know, if you've listened to my podcast, tons of practical examples of what that sounds like using real world examples as well. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Check it out per usual. If you like the episode, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It definitely helps us get good guests on and helps me get on other podcasts to share more content with you guys. So appreciate it. Let's uh, get to the interview. Hey everyone, what is the good word? So today you're in for another special treat because with me, I have a guy who I've been a fan of and the poor guy doesn't even know it, but I stalk him on YouTube, listen to his podcast. He used to go by the name or his business used to go by the name of Blissful Prospecting and for selling with dignity fans, we just love the idea of blissfulness. So Jason Bay, who is now the CEO of the Outbound Squad is with me today. And we're going to talk about prospecting, making outbound calls, and the way Jason approaches this whole uh, strategy of making outbound calls is just something you're going to love. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation. conversation. So Jason, welcome to the Sales Made Easy podcast. What's the good word? I'm excited to be here. Two bald guys talking about sales. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, right? <laughs> it doesn't. So Jason, can you give us a little bit of an idea about who you are and if you're like the natural born salesperson and what yeah. your business is today would really be interesting, I think. Yeah, for sure. So I got into sales by accident, like most people in this profession do. So I thought in high school, I wanted to be a forensic scientist because I watched a lot of CSI ended up going to college, you know, kind of riding shotgun with people that did that. And after figuring out there was like two of them in the state of Oregon, I kind of opened up my options a bit, you know, and someone came into my classroom, a guy, Barry, who became one of my best friends to talk about like an internship kind of opportunity to run a house painting business and make like $10,000 for school over the summer. So I was like, why not? You know, I need to make more money for school, whatever. And fast forward into March and the spring, we're like launching our business. And I didn't really understand that I was actually going to be going door to door to sell house painting services. And I'm like a 19 year old kid with braces and, you know, to paint your house, it's, it's not cheap. It's like, it was like three to Mm -hmm. $10,000, you know, to to have someone paint your home. Well, turns out I have a knack for selling. I don't, 
I don't think that I'm like a natural salesperson. I don't, I'm sure there are some people that gravitate towards it, but it's not what you would expect if you've never really sold before or been around people like that. The kind of thinking is that the extroverted person that's really good at talking is really good at selling. And that's just not how it works when people are buying stuff that costs a significant amount of money. Hmm. It's really about understanding the people that you're selling to, what's important to them. And the big lesson that I learned was why people bought from me versus other contractors in the area. I thought it was, I had no idea our pricing compared to other people. I just didn't know what it would cost. I'd learned that we're actually one of the higher priced options in the area. I learned that they didn't hire me because they thought I was so credible and, and knew so much. And yeah, I needed a base level of knowledge about painting and construction and that sort of stuff. They hired me because they really trusted me. They trusted that I would take care of them. They were comparing me to all of the other options out there. I would get these reference letters from clients that said things like, we appreciate you guys so much. You weren't the typical construction crew playing really loud music and being really obnoxious, that kind of stuff. And there's an important sales lesson there, especially in a B2B environment, is that we tend to look at the world through the lens of selling our solution versus what it's like to be on the receiving end, a buyer, and what it's like to interact with people that do what we do. And a buyer is looking at us in relation to how we fit into the rest of the marketplace that sells what we do, other salespeople, distractions, whatever it might be. And I think that's super important. And that's something that I'm really fascinated with, with you know, prospecting we're going to dig into today is it's so important. Like when you pick up the phone and make a call to a prospect or you send an email or you reach out on LinkedIn, what's that experience like for them to be on the receiving end of that? Because you're not the only person reaching out to them. So how do you stand out? How do you do this in a way that feels good you know, to do? How do you do this in a way that's effective? Because outbound is getting much harder. And we can talk about all of the stuff that Microsoft, Google, Apple, all the things that they do to make sale, a salesperson's life hard. Oh, <laughs> you know? But uh, yes, yeah, so that's a little bit of background. Oh, that, that's such a great background. So yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. You're just such a relaxed individual. So even in having podcasting conversations, I get tense and nervous personally in the beginning. Then I kind of chill. And it seems like you're just in the zone. I can just picture you on the phone, just being in the zone, chill versus, you know, your pitch is fast or your pitch is higher, your pace is faster. And you got all of this nervousness when you're making a call, which is, I think, what a lot of people have. And you just seem to be so conversational and chill that. I want to talk to you because you're relaxed. Yeah. Right? Is that something that you had to cultivate or were you just, I can't imagine door to door. I know I've kind of done it, but I mean, I can't imagine being chill doing that. What's your thought? Uh, it's a great question. I've never been asked that before. I think there's a lot of things that go into that. And that's something that most people, including myself, have to learn how to do. So do you think about, if you want to be that person that can speak with a prospect and not be needy and all those other you know kind of stuff and be conversational and uh, I think it's about a couple things. One, anytime you do something new, 
you're thinking a lot about the mechanics of what you're doing. Like I just started snowboarding last, uh, last year. So I can link turns and do all that kind of stuff and do a little bit of carving, but I have to think about the mechanics. Every time I turn, I'm thinking about my body and my feet. I'm not in the zone. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's a certain amount of, depending on who's listening to this and if you're running a business or selling, if you have not done this activity a lot, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And there's a certain aspect of this that you have to just accept. And that's without repetition, I will not be good or comfortable at something. Mm -hmm. Repetition is everything. So when people hear me train around cold calling or they listen to me cold call now, I've been doing this in one form or another since 2009. It's the only thing I've done as an adult. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's that's that's key number one. I think the second thing, this is kind of completely unrelated to that, is I've done a lot of work in the last couple of years in therapy on myself, just getting mm. comfortable and confident in my own skin. And I think there's something to a couple of things. One, having an abundance mindset around things, and that's easier said than done. But if you if you do the work to create abundance in your life, so a really practical example of that is I work with so many sales reps that make a good living that still live month to month because their cost of living that just crept up <laughs> as they made right. more money. Yeah. So my advice would be like keep your cost of living at a level where you can save a significant amount of money. And right now, especially with recession, you should have a significant amount of cash savings as an emergency fund. We're kind of extreme. We do 12 months of cash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you need to have three to six months of something so that you can afford to say no to a bad deal. You can afford to leave a job that is that is bad. You can afford to mess up as you're going through your learning curve. And that's something I don't think a lot of people talk about. They just say, have mindset. You know, it's like, right. okay. Yeah. It's not very easy to fake abundance, like just create abundance in your life. You know what I mean? So uh, I think the other thing too is just getting really comfortable. If you really examine the things that you were insecure about in your personal life, Michael Port wrote a book called uh, Book Yourself Solid, really great business book. Okay. Um, this is his quote. He said, business problems are really personal problems in disguise. And oh I was like, goodness. oh, God. Oh, good, right? So I'll give you an example. One of the things uh, for me that uh, there's like this, this is something that started in like middle school or high school around sports where I always underperformed and I was pretty good at basketball, but I always underperformed because of like what was going on upstairs, not because of my physical abilities and how much time I put into it. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really believe in myself, you know? Mm -hmm. The way that that permeated into my sales career and business career is that I didn't believe that I could be a top performer. I would get there at mm -hmm. some point just through hard work and determination, but I didn't really believe that that was the case. And this is something literally that I've worked, this is like the last year and a half of, of stuff. And I think having mentors and stuff like that helps as well. But if you really examine the stuff that you're insecure about in your personal life, you'll probably find a pattern of things that are affecting your professional life, whether that's the business that you run or the, the work that you do as a sales professional. So spend some time working on those things. Therapy is an option. I like going to therapy because one, it's pretty affordable right now. Like a lot of health insurance covers the mm -hmm. session. So you don't got to pay bucks an hour to someone out of pocket. Uh, and two, 
be really picky about who you select. Like, make sure the person's got the education, the experience. Like, you don't want to get advice from someone in their mid twenties as a therapist. Like, they haven't put in the time yet. You know what I mean? That would um, be worse than like buying a paint job for their house from a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> no kidding, you know. Um, so, I think that's that's an option. I think having a another really underrated thing too is who you spend a lot of your time with and. One of the things I've had to really reevaluate too is, you know, my inner circle and family and and which family I spend time with and which family I I, I don't. That's a really hard thing. And there's a lot of personal choices that you have to make there, but you got to really think about what is limiting you from getting what you want in your business or your career that has a connection to stuff that you're not getting in your personal life. And you just got to, you got to work on that shit. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. um, I think those are two big things that you might hear now. Oh, Jason sounds really comfortable on a podcast. Well, I've been podcasting since 2013, not with the outbound squad podcast, but Mm -hmm. in one form or another doing it like a decent amount of time. Yeah. And I really sucked at it for a long time, you know? Um, So I think being willing to, expose yourself to potential humiliation, which is what you do when you make a cold call. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you do when you make a cold call. That's what you do when you create a piece of content and put it out into the world. The cool right. part when you're getting started is there it's there aren't as many people that are going to see stuff than you would or remember it that as you would think. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, this is this is so great, and I didn't really expect the conversation to go there, but since it's there, <laughs> yeah. but just this this idea of, well, I love the whole thing about therapy and working on yourself. I think this is, you know, you can read all kinds of business books, which I do, um, yeah. and I I love business books, but you know, we have to you have to find the time to work on yourself, like. Someone could be really astute in business and fly off the handle either when someone pulls out in front of them in traffic. Yeah. And you people might think that that's completely unrelated. But what your friend or the author of that book said, that if you fly off the handle on stuff that is incidental, doesn't really matter, you'll never see the person again, how does that translate at work? How does it translate in your business in dealing with your vendors or your partners and so forth? Is there a connection there, do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the case of uh, road rage or, you know, whatever the example he used, there's probably some sort of connection to um, taking things really personally, like rejection, mm, right. for example. Ego, right? Yes. Yeah. Many yep. people take rejection really personally, and it's really easy to say, "Don't take it personally." It's like, yeah, no duh. That's I would n- I would prefer not to take this personally. You know, <laughs> I, I think that the uh, I think that you can kind of think about a, a nice little uh, process. It's called pattern interruption. Mm. It's just something that uh, people therapists use. It's something that uh, therapists use to help people with addictions and you know stuff like that as well. Uh, but step number one is identify the pattern. So I get road rage or whatever it might be, right? It's going to be pinpoint the trigger. Pinpointing the trigger is like, think about the exact moment in time. So if we're using cold calling as an example, uh, I have call reluctance, right? I don't like to do it. Okay, that's the Mm -hmm. pinpointing the trigger is get really specific. When do you start to experience a lot of anxiety? 
And this is the type of stuff that I hear and also experience for. Oh, I opened up Harry's LinkedIn profile and I saw his picture. And I don't know what your picture looks like on LinkedIn, but a lot of people don't smile in their pictures. And, you know, he wasn't smiling. He just looks like a really intimidating guy. I, I, I don't know. He's probably going to reject me. Right. That's like yeah. when you get really granular and then the derail and replace is that narrative that you're telling yourself. You can train yourself to tell yourself a different story. That's really what therapy is in a nutshell, mm -hmm. is the narrative that you tell yourself about the stuff that happens in your life. So one, you could say, oh, this person looks really mean and they're probably going to reject me. They don't need my help, whatever. Or you could just spin that and say, Harry looks like he's running a pretty cool business. Oh, he's an author of a book. That's awesome. I can't wait to like see how that's going for him. I can't wait to see if this uh, VP of sales is experiencing what my other VP of sales clients are experiencing and trying to get their account executives to prospect more so that they can hit their pipeline targets without adding headcount. I'm really curious if that's something that they're working on right now. It's like you can change the narrative that you tell yourself. And the narrative and the self-talk is so powerful. I mean, Brene Brown had a documentary on HBO where she was referencing studies of how bad it is to incorrectly label how you're feeling, like anxiety versus excitement. Those two things feel very, very similar. But if you mislabel something, it actually has a detrimental effect on your health. Like there's a, there's a reason why, to give an extreme example, that women can believe that they're pregnant and not be pregnant and actually show mm -hmm. uh, and, and look like they have it. That's how powerful your brain and your mind is. You know what yeah. I mean? So derail and replace, like look at the behavior, pinpoint when you start to tell yourself something negative, let's say in this case, the derail and replace is what could I do to like derail that pattern of thinking by telling myself another narrative? Sometimes it's as easy as just changing your physical state. Really mm. simple thing. Instead of sitting down when you make your prospecting calls, stand up. Yeah. Uh, don't make them in the same room. Like do something in a new environment. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah. Breathing, I think, is something that I bit of anxiety uh, and yeah. now and then. And that, that's something that breathe in and hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds. Just that, like taking a breath, you know, not forgetting to breathe when you start to feel anxious. Right. And the fourth part is just practice and make a habit. So figure out what that pattern is, like really pinpoint and be really mindful when you're doing that activity or that thing that's, you know, called reluctance in this case. And then think about ways you could derail and replace that behavior. And it's usually a kind of a physical component to that that you could try that works really well for some people. And there's more of a mental component. Call reluctance, by the way, is the same feeling that people have when they get on stage for and they're nervous. I used to do comedy. I wasn't that good at it. Um, <laughs> but before you, uh, before you go on an open mic, before you hop on the call with a, a really big prospect, yeah, you can apply that framework to everything. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of similarities in, in this conversation. So I'm thinking about so when I was in sales before sales leadership, I mean, I was in a sales bullpen and it was, you know, we're all hitting the phones and I'm, you know, I was new out of being a missionary. So here I was in a sales bullpen and it's like, what is this? People are just stand. I mean, they, they have to listen to me. I was more worried about the person sitting next to me laughing at how dumb yeah. I sounded uh, than the conversation I was having with the prospect. So I mean, I had all kinds of head trash going on 
yeah. which we're, you know, we're constantly, like you mentioned earlier about confidence, you know, we're thinking about well, what if I say the wrong thing? Oh, they're probably not interested. And we've got 17 things that are reasons not to make the call <laughs> instead of saying, this person really needs what I have. I know I can make their lives better, but we default to the, no, to the negative. Yeah. Well, right? it's human nature. It's negativity bias, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's human nature to focus on that. I think just even being aware of your own biases is important. So if we look at cold calling, for example, you mentioned before we hit record, hey, people listening to this podcast might think cold calling is dead. Right. We have a bias to, um, God, I'm forgetting what it's called specifically, but we have a bias to seek out information that validates our beliefs. If we don't believe that uh, cold calling works, if we don't believe that eating a particular way works or that this particular exercise works, we're going to go on Google and look for information that validates how we, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Rarely do you do the opposite, right? which I highly recommend. So yeah. if you were to look at all the data with cold calling, for example, and this is part of like a keynote that I'm working on right now. It's going to be called, here's how Google, Microsoft, Apple, and the U.S. government make it harder for you to hit your quota. And you look at, in 2003, the U.S. government passed can spam, and then the FTC launched the National Do Not Call Registry. So this is like almost, this is 20 years ago now. Right. Where people were like, this is getting out of control. Too many people have access to people's inboxes. There, It was also because people were sending bad content. Sure. <laughs> when I say really bad. bad. <laughs> inappropriate, illegal shit. People were spamming, right. you know, that kind of stuff. And people were just getting way too many calls. And then Microsoft and Google in 2007 and 2013, they started creating tabs and categories in the inbox to help you filter out unsolicited emails, promotion emails, updates. Mm -hmm. Google and Apple in 2019 launched updates that allow you to uh, send unknown callers directly to voicemail or to mm -hmm. put that on chat disturb. So you don't even get interrupted if right. you don't want to, by a call that your phone doesn't recognize. And then you're starting to see some stuff now that are kind of scary with, in 2020, uh, Basecamp launched a software called Hey, Gated launched uh, a software that, you know, when you send an email, if it doesn't recognize, if I send you an email, let's say, I'm, and I'm not in your contacts, it'll send an autoresponder back that says, I'm not going to see this email because I don't recognize you. Uh, if you want me to see it, you can donate $20 to my favorite nonprofit here. Yeah. And then Basecamp's Hey is super sophisticated email inbox that their goal is to kind of replace Gmail and Outlook. And it allows you to, if you get an email from an unknown sender and you don't like it, it they make it really easy for you to just block all of the emails coming from that person or that organization. That's the type of stuff that you're going to find if you look online about Outbound. Yeah. Right? You're going to find all of this stuff that works against you. Yet in reality, when I work with companies, this is not the experience that a lot of the companies have, especially the ones that I actually spend some time working with. Mm -hmm. Because the game right now is how do I show someone like Harry, how do I show you that I am not a spammer, I'm not a telemarketer, I'm not someone trying to gain access into your inbox to, you know, to get you to open up those weird PDFs that people send, like that I'm not that person. Right. So it really comes down to how do I demonstrate to this person, this prospect that I understand their world. So it starts with um, the first activity that I typically build with a company when I start with them the first time is what I call a messaging matrix. 
And the messaging matrix is, if I'm reaching out to a VP of sales, what are their priorities? What are the current solutions? So how are they getting the job done right now? How are they making progress on those priorities? And then what are the problems, known or unknown, that are associated with that? So I'll give you an example. One of the big things that we're working on right now with VPs is, you know, instead of 3x pipeline to hit target, they're having to have four to five X the pipeline that they need in order to close and hit their sales targets. And what that means is that account executives, since they won't be adding headcount, they need to self-source more opportunities. They need to do outbound. That's a big mm -hmm. thing in SaaS right now. Uh, the verticals they work with is that we hired these SDRs to do outbound and, oh, now we're like figuring out that account executives actually have to do it for themselves too, in order to hit number, right? Yeah. So the way that they're currently going about that is just saying, hey, let's just require account executives to do outbound. Just put activity requirements. Well, how's that been working? Yeah. How has that worked? It's the dawn of eternity in sales when you just right. have an activity, an arbitrary Not activity. Well, like, yeah, you have the 1% of people that like are compliant, like myself, that I'm just going to be like, that's such a low target. I'm going to double that. And then mm -hmm. the rest of the people are like, this is stupid. Like, I don't understand, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So if I can speak to that, and I can talk to someone, a prospect's current state, and I can say on a cold call, hey, Harry, I understand that you're the VP of sales at so-and-so company. In our work with companies like Gong and Medallia, we're hearing a focus around one of these two priority areas, and I'm curious if that aligns with your priorities. One, uh, self-sourcing from the account executives. So they're having to create four to five X pipeline coverage versus the traditional three. So you're asking them to do more outbound, but you're running into some resistance. Well, or two, deals are stalling and taking way longer to close, smaller deal sizes, et cetera. So you're needing your reps to multi-thread more effectively, get senior stakeholders involved sooner, that sort of stuff. How does that align with what you're working on right now? And I understand the priorities of my prospects. That is a completely different experience in the first 30 to 60 seconds of a cold call than they normally get. What they normally get is, hey, Harry, it's Jason with Outbound Squad. We sell sales training and we work some pretty <laughs> I'd like to set aside some time with you to talk about training your team. And what are people going to say to that? We don't have budget. Uh, we do all of our training in house. We're good to go. Right. Like, does anyone awesome. say yes to stuff like that? I mean, it's just like I think we that's do. where people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, statistically, according to Gong, at least, uh, your chances of success on a cold call are one point four eight percent. So if you okay. cold call like that. And you just pitch. Yeah. That's what the success rate is going to be. Okay. And if you have a Lego, and this validates a lot of what I find in the work that I do with clients, is the best and rep uh, class cold callers will convert one out of every three prospects that get live on a call into a qualified meeting. Big difference between one that's out of huge. 100. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the difference is this that's a big component of it. So it's message, it's the what am I saying? So there's a, an equation. I call it the outbound equation. It's quality times quantity. So it is both a numbers and a quality game mm -hmm. where I think people tend to over-index that was on the quantity part. Exactly. More yeah. Activities, more calls. Let's get a power dial. We're just call 10 times the amount of people. Let's uh, get use sequencing tools and send 10, 100 times the amount of emails. Mm -hmm. And it's basically uh, overcome this issue that I just laid out with all these companies that are putting in these tools and features to make it harder for you, let's just overcome that with quantity. That's going to get all of these tools. It's going to, 
there's going to be a day, I think, where you can't even use a sequencing tool with Google, a uh, Gmail or Outlook, where they just won't even let other tools sync up with it. Yeah. I, mean, I think that day is coming pretty soon, actually. Well, I think that day is coming soon. Um, so on the quality side, though, it's message. It's the what you say. It's fit. Am I talking to the right person at the right type of company? And then delivery. Delivery is just your soft skills, right? Your right. ability to take a message and deliver it in a compelling, uh, you know, a compelling, non-threatening. The chill um, Jason Bay. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just, uh, thanks, thanks for bringing out all of what you're doing here. And just, I love what I'm hearing as far as, you know, the quality versus quantity. Like, so when I was in really the corporate sales arena, it was quantity. Accountants were looking at spreadsheets and making judgments based on sales activities, KPIs, and, you know, people in the street like me, because that's kind of the way I ran was always be in the street with my reps. It's like, well, I can't take a person who is writing above quota and say they have to have the same activity metrics as someone who is, you know, 20% of quota, i.e. the account executives, some that are just really great in growing the business just by having conversations. And they, they may need one or two conversations a day and write yeah. ridiculous numbers. And then you have other people that are just, they don't have those human or those soft skills or they're intimidated or they come off. And these are things that are really difficult to teach. It's like, you need to breathe more, right? You need to be quiet more, things like that. You need to be a better listener or you need to be a better empathizer. And th you know, this is where sales, I think there, there's so many soft skills come into play and it's hard to put your finger on it, but you could take a room of 10 people, tell them all to say the same thing and you're not gonna have the same results. Right. Yep. There's little nuances in the way you pick things up. It's the way you, you know, ask a question and you pause. I mean, it I love it for the sake that there's always room to improve, but it's got to be frustrating for people who are just like, well, they all should be the same. We're spending all kinds of money on this. You know, why isn't Harry performing, you know, like Jason and so forth? What's yeah. your thought on that? Oh, so much. The first thing that came to mind for me is I think when you're building out a sales team, you, you got to, this is why you need the fit message and delivery piece, right? I think where people tend to really focus is on the message. They mm -hmm. give someone a talk track. These are mm -hmm. the talking points, right? And I think the other mistake that folks make is, you know, it's survivor bias, right? They model after the top performers. You should not model like how you come up with quota or the financial components behind mm -hmm. something that the CFO might come up with. You shouldn't model that based on your top performers. That would be, that's as ridiculous as like modeling what we should do in our society based on how billionaires like yeah. came up in their, how they became yeah. billionaires. That's just mm -hmm. not feasible. There's so much luck involved with that. And it's so, like, you can't build a team of high performers. That just doesn't happen. Once you hit certain economics, there's always a bell curve. That's how economics mm -hmm. work, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to optimize for the B and C players, really. Yeah. And it's like you can you can, you know, increase 
where that that starts from, where that bell curve starts from, but that's what you need to optimize for. So um, I think what's super important is like, look at the parts that are repeatable. And since you're working with people, they require ongoing maintenance, mm -hmm. like your body does when you exercise or eat healthy. And I think that sales organizations, you, you see a big trend of this now in, in software uh, selling in SaaS, where there's enablement teams, where the only purpose that they serve is to support the sales team. I don't yeah. really see that in a lot of other companies where ongoing training is like up to the manager. Right. Who would so be yeah. doing so many other things. Um, and that's a whole nother topic. Uh, yeah. All the things that managers have to do that takes them away from the thing they should be doing most, like coaching and developing their their right. team. I, I think sales managers have the hardest job in sales, by the way. They get the right. least amount of training, have the right. most expectations, and they usually take a pay cut <laughs> when they do yeah. it like sucks all the way yeah. around. It right. just doesn't attract a very qualified person, just that in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so I think systems, it's like the systems, principles, process, like you need to build something that is very easy and straightforward to follow. An exercise and acid test that you could do is if you're a sales executive, you should do this once a month, a couple times a quarter, be a rep for a day. And just sit and like go through the user experience of, okay, I'm going to call this prospect, Harry, where's my yeah. talk track? What am I supposed to say? Oh, we don't have one. Oh, shoot. We should probably <laughs> build one. Oh, um, I, I'm using this tool. I'm supposed to follow up with an email, but I don't know what to send. We don't have any templates for that. Oh, how many times am I supposed to call an email? And you're going to have all these questions. It's like, right. yeah, that's the stuff you should be providing for your reps. Exactly. Make it easy. Right. It's so, and this, I'm not sure, and the, and the larger real, you know, Fortune 500, but small businesses, this is a huge struggle. Right, because yeah. they're just basically telling their sales reps, go make sales. They're not going to be able to provide the coaching. They many of them have never sold themselves. Yeah. I mean, not in a traditional selling uh environment. So maybe they've sold through connections and so forth, or they're really good at their trade and their skill sets, but they're not great at coaching salespeople. And yeah. so when you find these when you're out uh, with your business, having these conversations with business owners and executives, is that something you sense as well that they've not really had it? And you're kind of speaking to someone that probably claims they know enough about sales and they want people to sell more, but you're trying to be polite and respectful and because you want the business and all, but you also have to let them know that there's a lot more that can be done. Does that make sense, that long-winded question? No, it totally does. There's a there's a lot to, I think, there's a good sales lesson in there too, because you know, what I do is pretty meta. I sell sales training to sales people and sales leaders, right? <laughs> <laughs> meta. There is an inherent shame in admitting weakness to someone that is for the most part a stranger. Think about the stuff that you don't do well in life. I'm thinking about that list right now. And I don't share that openly. With oh, no. People, I, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, and then you take a, a business owner whose entire identity, not entire, most of their identity is wrapped up in the business that they run. And then you're trying to get them to admit to you that they don't do something well in that business. That's just the, like, just not going to happen. You know what I mean? Right. So to answer your question, though, um, 
I think there's a couple options that you have as a business owner. I do see this. The cool part is that coaching salespeople is a learnable skill. So if you're not going to invest in learning that skill, you should not have salespeople. You just shouldn't. Or if you're not going to hire people right. that have that skill, you should not have a sales person or a sales team. You just shouldn't. It's unfair to them. It's so unfair. And it's a waste of money. You're going to have someone operating at like 50% of what they could be doing. Yeah. So you got to give them the support. If you're a sales leader, I do see this a lot too, where the sales leader is pretty out of touch with what actually happens. And the best sales leaders that I know, the VPs especially, like they rub shoulders with their team. You yeah. called it getting paid earlier. Like they get in the pit with their team. Yeah, but yeah they're not yeah. calling every day. But a couple times a quarter, they'll make some calls with their team. Yep. Just to remind themselves of what it's like. You know exactly. what I mean? So yeah. You have to do that. You can't, you have to be grounded in what your reps actually experience. Otherwise, you turn into this like talking head that gets in front of your reps and no one listens to you because they're like, when's the last time you ran a sales call, dude? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I talked to Henry Sheck, the CEO of Zoom Info, like he will participate in some sales calls with his reps and he's not even the sales leader. You know what I mean? If it's a big deal, like he's pretty yeah. grounded in what his salespeople experience in these large deals. You know? So Yeah, that's really uh, you know, that's really genuine and not easy, right? Because he's exposing yeah. himself as to, you know, making mistakes and saying the wrong yeah. thing. Because you can do that in sales. Right? You can say something dumb, uh, you know, without even thinking about it. And not everything is so measured and perfect. Yeah. You know. And I'll give you a little more empathy for what your team is going through and, and most importantly, what they need from you. Yeah. When I look at business owners and they'll expect that their people to sell just because the business owner may be this gifted, outgoing, generous, fun-loving person that's charming, has got all these traits going on or she, and people just, they want to be around that person. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean people that are in sales have that same personality. Just because you say something like, sales is easy. Come on, just do what I do. Right. Yeah. And you, they, most, many of them could not outline, right? It's not repeatable. They couldn't come up with, this is what you do. And it sounds like you're very good at creating, you know, processes or, formulas really where people or frameworks where people can kind of follow along and get better and where it's measurable. Yeah. I think it's a really important lesson. I don't want to gloss over that you shared is that, and I swear, if I hear another founder or owner of a company say, selling is so easy, I can't be a salesperson. <laughs> like, dude, you do not get it. Like from the prospect's right. point of view, of course, you're going to have a higher win rate because you're the person that has the vision and the energy yeah. and the enthusiasm exactly. that reps yeah. don't have. Obviously, yeah. you should sell higher. The true measure is whether or not you can replicate what you can do. That's a yeah. true measure of a business owner, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. Jason, I'm, this, we could talk for hours. I just love the conversation. We haven't touched on a whole bunch of different things that I was hoping to. But if I could ask you, like, so a lot of the listeners here are entrepreneurial or maybe they're you know they're in uh, b2c sales or you know insurance maybe real estate and there's hesitancy about making calls and i think the hesitancy is they don't want to bother people is there one little tip or suggestion you can make to help overcome that 
where they can get a little more comfortable in making outbound calls. Yeah, I think the framework that we ran through earlier is where I would start that I don't want to bother, like reframe what you're saying there. I have mm -hmm. an opportunity to, you know, the other thing that's really simple is just using a permission-based opener. Okay. Hey, Harry, it's Jason with Outbound Squad. I know you weren't expecting my call. You got a minute for me to tell the reason I'm calling. You can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Yeah, it's so perfect. I love it. I love simplicity, easy. It's, you know, asking permission is just so great. So Jason, let me ask you, where can people find you and what will they be finding you for? I mean, if you can just kind of summarize as to what how you help businesses and then how yeah. they can find you, it'd be great. Yeah, for sure. So the people that tend to gravitate towards the stuff that I put out are uh, business owners and leaders or sales leaders or reps that are selling business to business. So if you're selling a product or a service to other businesses, uh, we have a ton of free content on our website at outboundsquad.com. That's where you can find our podcast, resources. Follow me on LinkedIn. I post content every day. If you're a rep looking for coaching and training, we have an individual program that you can get more information on there. It's got a lot of cool courses, coaching, again, all that kind of stuff. And if you're a company uh, with a sales team that you want trained on some of the stuff that we talked about today, that's the best place to go as well. So outboundsquad.com. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much for joining the podcast. You brought a ton of value and I will be going to that website and uh, getting some of your free stuff and who knows where the future will be with that. It's awesome. So thanks again. Great stuff. Yeah, thank you.